Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Hello and welcome to this episode of Refirement Life. We're excited to share a new topic, and this one is all about reinventing yourself through new careers and new explorations. I am excited to welcome back Mugay, my co-host. I've been missing her as she's been traveling to Turkey, and I, I told her I miss her like the sun misses the moon because we have so much fun together. So um, we have Mugay, and we also have a uh, colleague and friend of mine, Danielle Glosser. And we're going to get into Danielle's background in just a little bit. But uh, before we do that, just reflections from last week. We always talk about thriving through new experiences and um, also uh, enjoying some of the the experiences that may be recurring in your life. And I have two, Mugay, to share with you. Uh, the first is a totally new experience that my husband and I uh, participated in. And we saw a sumo wrestling match in D.C. recently. There's a sumo tour. It's going through New York, D.C. and uh, Miami. And it was quite an experience to see that live. That, that, that's amazing. You know, I thought, Christina, you have to travel abroad to see a sumo wrestling match. So um, that's good to know. They're on a tour. I need them to come to Houston, though. I, I think so, too. I think and you follow the Instagram tag is sumo and sushi. And it was fascinating. They they did a great job of just educating the audience on what sumo is all about. And a couple of the things that I learned was uh, it's a 1500 year old sport. Uh, secondly, there are no weight classes in sumo. So a very large and in the case of this match, we saw a 425 pound man wrestle a 275 pound man. And guess who won? Two hundred seventy-five pound one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The way you asked, I thought that would be the answer, but I am trying to get my head around how twice the weight class could do this. That must be some amazing moves. It was amazing moves. Yeah. And the other things we learned was there is um, no slapping of the face, but there is slapping of the chest, the neck. Um, so that was quite something to see. Uh, no pulling of the hair. The hair is sacred for sumo wrestlers. In fact, their wives and girlfriends are instructed not even to touch their hair because it's a, a symbol of their power and life force. So anyway, it was it was something um, quite wild to see. And I highly recommend it if it's coming through your town. Wow, that's great to hear. Now I'm going to be on the lookout for that. I am uh, looking forward to the concert. Uh, coming to Houston in November with uh, Pitbull, Enrique Iglesias, and Ricky Martin. That's my favorite trio. Uh, but now that you introduced this, I'm going to be on pursuit to see this um, <laughs> because it sounds absolutely remarkable. Like, how on earth uh, does it work this way? Actually, I'm going to do some research now that you mentioned it. And one thing I am most fascinated, in addition to the remarkable moves that may be going on as part of this, like, what is the diet? How does that work? 
work. Um, and uh, I think, Christine, you mentioned that they have a very disciplined life as well. Uh, so I'm a little fascinated by that as well, like the preparation, the lifestyle and um, how that works. Yeah, yeah. They actually do until they're married. They, the sumos all live together and it is um, a disciplined life. Uh, however, I, I, you know, they do eat a little bit of everything. It was kind of funny. They interviewed a few of the wrestlers and asked them their favorite foods. And it ranged from everything to just, you know, serious protein and, you know, healthy foods to like chicken wings. <laughs> Loving it even more. That is healthy food group, I believe. It has chicken in it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yes, I'm glad to hear you're going to see Pitbull. I have seen him and Enrique Iglesias together, and you will have a knockout good time. Well, I, I was late to the party getting tickets, so the only tickets left were on the mosh pit, the ground floor. So I'm going to work up my stamina and endurance leading up to November uh, to be part of that party. But um, they are among my favorite performers, um, and I never get tired of seeing them. Uh, I just feel like they project such energy and positive. Um, so looking forward to it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Mr. Worldwide will meet um, Mrs. Worldwide <laughs> with, with your travels <laughs> yeah, and your yeah, life there, experience. There you <laughs> yes, there you go. There you go. All right. So how about you, Muge? You've got the you've got the concert. Any any other reflections from the last few weeks? So first of all, thank you uh, for the warm welcome back. I have been missing you, our podcast and our reflections as well. So I recently returned from a two week vacation to Turkey, which is where um, I have a lot of family. Uh, it was a fantastic time, a perfect balance of time with my mom, who is experiencing some cognitive decline. So we are looking to make the most of the time together um, with my friends. Um, I made the time this time around to to um, connect with my friends from elementary school. Imagine getting together with someone who knows you when you were seven years old. That's quite special. <laughs> um, and uh, high school, college, uh, just reflecting on life and how um, you just um, cannot have an absolute prescription um, uh, and a road map. You, you kind of have to have a direction, but then deal with what is uh, given to you uh, in the flow of life. So it was good to reflect on that. Um, of course, sometimes on the beach on the Aegean coast, uh, which I also recommend. Um, and given the immense heat wave in Houston uh, that we are experiencing this summer, it was a welcome break as well to experience a little bit of the breeze. Um, and I had um, tons of Turkish coffee every day and the Turkish delight. I was like... Um, Alvin and the chipmunks, uh, if, if you remember that scene, how the chipmunks is uh, getting off the walls um, after the shakes they have. Um, so I I was on high energy, fueled by Turkish coffee and dessert. And uh, what, what struck me the most, though, as a reflection during this trip is... Um, you know, people uh, are exuberant. They are happy. They are relaxed. They are taking the time to linger over a cup of coffee, catch up with friends. Um, they did not seem to be rushing to the next thing uh, in the way that we are a little obsessed uh, with productivity in the U.S. Uh, now, Turkey doesn't have the most prosperous economy. Inflation is 40 percent. Um, mm -hmm. The prices in cafes and restaurants are being updated um, every other day to keep up with that. 
unemployment is high. So uh, certainly has a share of problems, um, but it was just nice to see how people are drawing uh, support from one another, the communities they are in, and really focusing in on relationships. Um, so it was a nice, um, uh, you know, experience to um, just sit um, and not rush um, and uh, linger a bit. So um, I'm like, I don't know that we I could be lingering, you know, all my life, but it was good to linger for a little while. Yeah, that sounds delightful. I'm so glad that you had that time with family. And oh, I've never yeah. had Turkish coffee. Is it stronger than espresso or is it about um, the same? It's it's probably about the same. It's served mm-hmm. in a small cup. It has got quite a bit of residue at the bottom. Um, and uh, now they have the uh, Turkish coffee makers, which I have one I procured from Amazon. Uh, so I can make it at home myself because making Turkish coffee on the oven um, is actually not easy. Um, you, you just, you know, to get it right with the foam and all that. So I cheat. I do the Turkish <laughs> coffee maker thing. And uh, yeah, it is strong. It, you, you know, the coffee culture in Turkey is not like in the U.S. where people don't have it for breakfast. People have Turkish tea for breakfast. Um, so Turkish coffee is more uh, an afternoon evening drink. Um, you want to have a bit of a, a full stomach. It's not what you want to have first thing in the morning. It's uh, a bit of a jolt to the system. Uh, and the amount is just right. Once you have that, um, you're like, okay, I'm done with my coffee intake. That was enjoyable. I don't need to have another one. So um, so it's uh, it's more afternoon evening kind of thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. So today we are going to um, spend some time with Danielle and, and thank you, Muge, for just the update on your travels and uh, and your reflections. It's it is important to think about relationships and what's go- going to make you happiest. I, I think uh, when I uh, thought about having Danielle on the show, our listeners, I believe, will connect to her story on so many levels. Um, you know, first, Danielle's had a very varied career, and in one of our recent episodes, we talked to someone who had recently retired, and they shared that, wow, it was a little bit challenging to find something that uh, leveraged their skills and experience in their past life and the things that they're passionate about in a new career, and it was a little bit of a journey, and I think Danielle has navigated that super well. Uh, Danielle is the um, CEO and founder of Client Razor, and she uh, provides consulting guidance to artists and has just a a wonderful, wonderful background. So I want to welcome Danielle to the show. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for having me on. And I love that you just shared like the highlights from your last show, because that's always fun to hear what people are experiencing and what's new and exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I will not do your background justice. um, So I'd love you, Danielle, in your own words, just to share a little bit about your earlier career. You had some fascinating uh, life experiences in the business world and uh, now doing your own thing. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that. Sure. I'll just skim the surface because it is a little sorted but interesting. Um, I actually started my career working for the NBA team, the Golden State Warriors. My dream was to work for an NBA team and that happened right out of college, so that was pretty exciting. 
but the dream faded. And after being there for just one season, the novelty of the whole experience really wore off. And I'd always had a great interest in race relations. And so I had the opportunity to speak with a very famous sports sociologist that worked for the 49ers and the Golden State Warriors and some other professional teams, uh, Dr. Harry Edwards. And he basically encouraged me to study sociology with an emphasis in race issues. So that's exactly what I did. In fact, I recently emailed him. He must be in his 80s now and just told him how our, you know, five minute conversation changed the course of my career. So that was great to, you know, share and hear back from him. So that's exactly what I did. I moved to DC. Um, in between, I was in Aspen for a little bit. I was a ski instructor, which was a blast. And after I got to DC and finished my master's in sociology, I worked for an all black firm as um, like a researcher with their uh, organizational development efforts. So we, they basically consulted to Fortune 500 companies on what is now you know, DEI, which back then was called just diversity issues. And we would actually travel around the country when a company like got in trouble, helping them internally with what to do. So it wasn't about putting out a PR fire. It was about actually doing the work inside in-house in terms of how to create strategies around inclusiveness and all. Um, so after that experience, I wound up working at the White House, which was kind of a crazy coincidence. Uh, I literally was reading an article in the New York Times about this new initiative that President Clinton was starting. And the CEO of the nonprofit where I interned in college was quoted. And I decided, oh, I'm going to contact him and see if he can hook me up, because that would be cool to work at the White House. So I contacted my boss, who was the head of the local chapter, and she said, I can do better than that. One of my board members is working at the White House on this initiative. So long story short, I got the interview and I wasn't even asked a single question. At the end, I said, you know, don't you want to ask me anything? And the guy who turned out to my to be my boss said, well, if you're Cheryl recommended you, that's good enough for me. So that was pretty amazing to have that in. Uh, from there, President Clinton pieced out portions of this race initiative to different nonprofits. So I had been working with a lot of religious leaders, and I actually wound up going back to the nonprofit where I interned in college as now an employee with the national office. So I was their director of public policy and set the agenda for 65 offices around the country on all issues that face discrimination. So race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, ability, everything, you name it, we fought it. Um, and as you can imagine, I burned out because <laughs> it is quite difficult work and uh, 
It's heavy Challenging. lifting. It's yeah. heavy lifting. And there's a lot to do too, right? I'm sure it was endless. <laughs> right. And, and it becomes kind of cyclical, like here we are again, fighting for hate crimes legislation year after year after year. So I decided to have a baby and stay home with my kids. So see how that would be because <clears throat> I didn't have the best childhood. So I decided to have that experience as a mother and focus on my little friends. <laughs> um, and I did that for 10 years, which I can't imagine. I mean, I just can't believe I did that. Like I'm so project oriented and always have to be doing something. So I don't know how I actually <laughs> hang it out with my kids for 10 years. Um, one of them did have health issues. So that obviously was a big battle. But from there, I was decided to start my own business. I was reading a script that my brother wrote. He's a screenwriter in Hollywood. And I was so excited about this script. Normally, I didn't like anything that he wrote because it was all so violent. But I love this script. And I decided I want to be excited about my work, not his work. <laughs> so I um, decided to interview for a job that actually combined film and social justice issues because I'd been helping my brother with a couple things so I had a little insight into that world and long story short I found out they were going to pay me $15 an hour which is what I paid my babysitter and I didn't even get the job and the <laughs> process was insane it was like way beyond what I went through with the White House so after I you know, didn't get that position, that's when I decided I'm going to start my own gig. Uh, and I did a lot of research to figure out, OK, what's what am I going to do? Like, what's this business going to be about? And in the middle of my research, our neighbor, who's a very famous artist in D.C., he asked me if I would help him by representing his art business. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I don't know anything about art. Uh, not educated in any way. And he said, well, look at your art collection and look at your interest in design. And I was like, what art collection? I mean, we have a fabulous art collection, but I never like thought of it that way. So I decided to help him. And then I shared with a couple people that were assisting me with figuring out what I was going to do with my life, this new contract I had. And I got two more artists as clients, my friend's son, and my friend's friend. So I decided, okay, I'm just gonna focus on working with artists and see what happens. And it's been almost nine years and I've worked with over 250 artists in more than 20 states. That's amazing. That's amazing. And what a fascinating yeah. story, right, Mugay? What, what, a, what a remarkable story. And Danielle, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being our guest today. And as you are describing your journey, um, I think any one of the experiences you called out sounds like a dream experience, right? Working at MBA, <laughs> yeah. working at the White House, being a representative of artists. Uh, and yet um, you piece together all of this. And what stuck to me um, uh, in this conversation is you had multiple pivots. Um, and you followed your heart, you followed your passions. Um, and what I'm wondering is, um, 
if you could share a perspective on how you um, really came to terms with what your passion is and took the pivot. And the reason I'm asking is a lot of us uh, may think about what may be um, with a pivot, with an experience, but it is hard to take that step um, because we may be afraid of failure. We may want to be the sensible, responsible one and, uh, you know, fulfill our obligations rather than just following our instinct. So how did you think about and act on these uh, pivots to um, find your passion and uh, be really excited about what you do? Great question, Muge, great question. Um, basically, while I was researching what I was going to do with my quote-unquote business I was starting, someone told me to focus on what came naturally. So that immediately came to mind, which is networking. I love people. I love strangers. I talk to people in line at the grocery. I make, you know, quote unquote friends wherever I go. I just went to my first sneaker con in downtown DC this weekend. And the guy in front of me wanted to buy a pair of sneakers from the guy behind me, but he didn't have enough money. So I basically told the guy in front of me how to negotiate the deal. I said, offer him half cash and half, and one of your old pair of sneakers. And that's exactly what he did. And he got the deal. So <laughs> I just am like naturally inclined to talk to whoever about anything and help them out. So in thinking about um, my business, that's what I really focused on was I'm really good just at talking to people and making things happen. I'll get an idea and I execute it and, you know, go as far as I can with it and either obviously pans out or it doesn't. And I really don't care about failure. Like to me, you know, I have to throw 10 darts out there to see what's going to stick. And if one does, that's awesome. Um, so I think for people that are looking to do something different with their career, it's really about focusing on what does come naturally and what you find to be fun, honestly. Like, I love what I do. I have a blast. I love artists. I mean, I love artists more than art because they're just so interesting and inspiring and creative. And there's just endless stories associated with each one of them. Um, so that's what I would say to folks looking to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. So and and now that you're in the driver's seat of your own business and you think about all the experiences you had working for other people, what what kind of comes to mind? Are, are you are you happy you made the move when you did or do you wish you made it sooner? Tell us a little bit about what that feels like. No, I don't really ever reflect on the past like that. Like, oh, I should have, could have, would have done this. Like, that's mm -hmm. just not how I operate. Um, I'm more about like valuing the experience for what it was and seeing what happens with what I'm doing now. So I've had a lot of great mentors in my career. Um, my last boss at the nonprofit when I was the director of public policy, like I just loved him. I learned so much from him. Even when I was in college, I had an internship with what was then the PAC-10. And my boss there, you know, really taught me how to keep track of conversations with people. So 
you're always moving forward instead of trying to figure out, oh yeah, where did I leave off with this deal? And so I just think that um, establishing those connections is important. And it's just as important to learn what you don't like to do as what you Mm -hmm. like to do, right? So I realized, here I was working for the Golden State Warriors at the age of 22, and I didn't like it. You know, that was a huge uh, shock, honestly, to me that I got this amazing dream job and just did not love it. Yeah, yeah, it is important to know what you don't like and what what fires you up. That's that's absolutely, absolutely critical. Um, Just thinking about, uh, you know, also just living life and living business experiences. I often share with friends that I mentor and and coach that you're the sum of all the experiences and all the people that you've met. Right. And sometimes, you know, those experiences could be positive. Sometimes they could be negative. Um, but you're bringing everything you know to the next role to make you more successful right. in all likelihood. And, and that's happened in my current business. I mean, everything's not, you know, milk and honey here. I definitely get a client now and then that is unhappy and have to, you know, try to work through that or I'll invest a lot of money in something that doesn't pan out. So I definitely think that you do have to just be flexible and maintain a positive spirit in order to take in each experience for what it is. Right. Move on. I, I think uh, you hit some uh, really important points, uh, Danielle. One, being in touch with what really fires you up, what comes to you naturally, and then acting to honor that without regrets um, and um, moving forward. So the mindset, I think you apply to it really matters. Um, I have a friend recently who was recommending a bottle of wine to me. And um, and she's like, you know, this is really great. And it's, it's $25. It's only $25. So she's almost apologizing for this recommendation. I, I, I said, look, do you like this wine? And she said, I do. I'm like, great, enjoy it. Don't apologize for the price. It doesn't matter if it's $1,000 or $25 or $5. You know, you enjoy it, then you drink it. Um, so <laughs> I think I think being able to um, really recognize um, uh, what fires you up and acting on it is so key to um, being joyful, which uh, has started the uh, in essence of these podcasts. Um, I would like to come back a little bit to your journey the past nine years to start your own business, which is um, a dream for many, uh, something I would like to experience at some point, having been in corporate America for 30 years. uh, Maybe at some point I I move into that. So that's something I think about. What does it take? So what are your um, suggestions, uh, Danielle, in addition to what you shared um, to, um, you know, take the leap to start your own business? Well, first off, it's not for everybody. I mean, you work alone all the time and you have to be your own energizer bunny. So you really have to be able to assess if some this is something you would like to do full time because you wear all the hats and it's more than full time. You know, so if someone works in corporate America 60 hours a week, don't think you're not working 60 hours a week. Um, I think that you depending on if it's 
what product or service you're starting with your business, you have to market it. Like you have to be knowledgeable about marketing. You have to be committed to marketing. I think half of my time or more is spent on marketing. It It's a constant output. Like Sure, people contact me because, you know, my website's set up for by SEO and referrals from current clients and I do workshops and social media, but I'm constantly generating new ideas, new connections. In fact, I'm doing a social media post next week that just lists all the things I'm working on right now that my clients just don't know about because I sit in my office by myself and you know, do my Zoom consultations or go to exhibitions or other meetings or whatever. But I think it's important to share with them, like, what am I creating that's new and different that they might be included in in the future? So there's no formula for starting your own business. I think that uh, you just have to really think through if what it is you want out of that experience, because it's, again, a lot of marketing and everything under the sun falls on your shoulders. Yeah, you make a great point about uh, being your own cheerleader. A lot of times, um, instead of fitting in a infrastructure that is uh, readily made for you with multiple functions fulfilled by different people. And it reminded me a little bit about, um, you know, writing a book, being an author, right? It sounds very appealing. I can write a book from anywhere, any time of the day. Um, but then you think about it, it's actually a really solitary um, experience and you got to be really motivated to do it. And I'm not saying this is the same as that, but it reminded me um, of that a bit. And the other thing, Danielle, you called out that I think feels um, your business, your passion so important is you said you love the artists that you represent even more than the art itself. So I think when you are in the business of um, being service um, to somebody or to a segment, um, that in and of itself uh, probably becomes a positive force um, as opposed to just saying, I want to be my own boss. Um, that's good, but then what for, right? What's the end goal? Uh, so when you find that goal, um, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. It sounds, um, it sounds magical. Um, so we are, um, we are coming down yet again, uh, about 30 minutes into our uh, podcast. Um, uh, Christine, any other uh, uh, perspectives we want to make the best of uh, Danielle's time and experience here with us? Yeah, well, I think for our listeners, I mean, three things that I took away from Danielle's story is, is first, um, Danielle operates in a way that's very awake, right? I mean, she's looking for opportunities. She is grateful for connections, for mentors, and she's taken the time to uh, make that a part of her her life and her her uh, the way she operates in in the business world. So I think you know for our listeners first, if you have those people who have helped you at different uh, stages in your career, no matter how long ago it was, send them a note, right? Send them a text. Absolutely. We, we've talked about that in the past. Um, secondly, follow your instincts. It, it, you know, the different opportunities were very diverse in nature, but there was a common connection that. Danielle got to, and that is making things happen for people, being a, a resource to um, connect 
two parts to make them a bigger, to make bigger impact. And then um, I also got out of Danielle's story is, is know your worth, right? Like if you're going to invest in something, make sure that uh, it's something that you love, that you that your time is valuable, that you're going to um, invest and 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 enjoy. And uh, you know we've always said if if you love what you do, you're never working a day in your life, right? And I think Danielle, you've really managed to do that in a in a beautiful way. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for having me. And. Um... Yeah, I'm excited about what you're doing now, Christine, in terms of your art practice. And I look forward to seeing where you take that because I know what some of your next steps might be. That's correct. That's correct. Yes, yes. And Mugay, if you ever want to chat about business (laughs) ideas, I'm happy to do that. Yes, yes. I think uh, I may have to take up a business outside of art because I just unfortunately have no talent. So I I guess I was wondering, Danielle, if you can represent someone with no talent and make something (laughs) out of it. Um, I'm not sure if that's possible. I'm interested, but probably I'm going to be in touch with you more on the business side of things. Maybe you could be a performance artist. I, I I think so. I stand up comedian or something. It's a different type of uh, art. Yeah, it's maybe not gonna... you'll be a sumo wrestler. Oh, geez, yes, <laughs> on, uh, on the lower weight scale, please. <laughs> she likes to shake maracas. We know that. Yes, much that's, about that's 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 exactly so maybe, right. And maybe there's something there. And then you know, my secret weapon. We touched upon this is the Turkish coffee. So you know, fueled by that, I may have no limits. Um, so I, I have to really think big here. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, for folks who are in the art business, it's clientraiser.com, correct? Yes. Yes. To find more about Danielle's story and and of course um, look at what she has to offer. And I think there's great life lessons there for for really anyone in business. So thank you so much, Danielle, for for stopping by and spending time with us today. Thanks for having me. And now I'm refired for the day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Till the next time. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.